Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Hope you had a great 4th. This is the post-4th of July weekend, and I wanted to share this conversation with Shane White. Shane is a good friend, a longtime friend of Word Balloon. Uh, as I point out at the beginning of the interview, Shane is responsible for the Word Balloon logo, which is pretty cool. In fact, uh, it's something that Shane, like uh, you'll hear him, he's kind of slightly embarrassed by it because I think he's progressed as a graphic artist since then, and it was just something he whipped together. Um, so he gave me a new header for my Twitter account, which is at John Word Balloon, if you didn't know. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably incorporate it in the website as well, and just to, just to make him happy. But uh, really glad to have Shane on today. Shane is here to talk about his new graphic novel, Brawn. It was a successful Kickstarter. It has been published. The uh, Kickstart people got their copies, and uh, Shane has, is selling it on his website, which is ShaneWhite.com. But uh, also, uh, you know, we just wanted to talk about it and uh, as he uh, tries to get it in the Diamond catalog and I think has a great creative perspective as uh, someone who has had a successful Kickstarter and then just what you got to go through to get a, a book in the Diamond's uh, catalog. I sounded like Mark Miller for a second. What you got to go through? It's not easy, is it? Uh, he has also done a recent first issue with my buddy B. Claymore, uh, a great, cool surfer's uh, crime comic called Dead Man's Curve, uh, Surf Noir, which, you know, certainly uh, uh, Claymore is a veteran of Tiki uh, Noir, and uh, now I think is turning to another portion of great uh, 60s kitsch, and uh, it's great. It looks like a Robert McGinnis uh, cover uh, come to life in a graphic novel. I really hope these guys find a publisher for this, but uh, those are the main things we talk about, and just a great chance to uh, catch up with my guy. So Shane White on today's episode of Word Balloon. It's uh, brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, very much for your support. I truly appreciate it. Uh, if people would like to subscribe to Word Balloon, you could do that via patreon.com slash Word Balloon. You're helping me out. You're helping the podcast out. And uh, one uh, Patreon person in particular has uh, gone even one step further, and that's Alex Ross Art. Uh, my buddy Sal Abinati and Alex Ross, kind enough to... Uh, Make sure that uh, I get to go to uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. I will be doing a video for them at the Alex Ross booth and at the Bill Sienkiewicz booth. you got to go to these if you're going to be at San Diego. Uh, it's a must because uh, they are mini galleries, and it is so great to see that. And there's a few others at Comic-Con, but, um, you know, Alex has just been doing amazing work with Marvel in the last few months. Tons of painted Marvel covers, Avengers, Amazing Spider-Man, just to name a few. But also, his universal monster paintings are uh, going into effect, and uh, you're going to be able to get lithos of those, the classic universal monsters, and also the Beatles. Uh, he's got a lot of re really interesting uh, opportunities to do his style of art beyond comics, and you've got to see it to believe it. Alex Ross Art. You can go to alexrossart.com, but also, if you're going to be at San Diego... Uh, check them out, and also you'll get a great chance to check it out via video from San Diego, and I will be doing uh, the reporting and the anchoring for that. So very excited about that. Thanks a lot, Alex Rossart. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Let's see what's going on this week. Lots of neat books. Uh, the Avengers by Jonathan Hickman Omnibus, Volume 1, is 50% off. It's just $62.50. What a great run on uh, Avengers John had. Uh, kind of his goodbye to Marvel. Uh, that and, uh, of course, uh, the Secret Wars event. There's uh, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. Is that I'm trying to see which book is that. Is that Jason's book? 
Or is that, uh, no, this is classic stuff. Excuse me. Uh, wow, there's, this is really like some of the great original stuff. So you got uh, guys like Steve Englehart and uh, Gene Colan doing some art. Uh, this collects uh, Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 1 through 40 and Ghost Rider 1990, uh, that, that series, issue 12. So pretty neat, man. And you got a Gene Colan cover, 60% off. It's just $50 from InStockTrades.com. What else is going on this month? We got, uh, let's see, is there any uh, DC? I see a Wonder Woman collection. Hold on a second. Got to scroll down. I'm slow. Wonder Woman, the Golden Age Omnibus. All right, this is like, if you're if you're reading your 40s uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman, it's it's very interesting, and uh, I, I recommend it. This collects uh, Comics Cavalcade 6 through 13, Sensation Comics 25 through 48, and Wonder Woman number 8 through 15. This is uh, the Golden Age Omnibus Volume 2, and it's uh, 50% off, $37.50. Those are just a few of the great books at InStockTrades.com. We'll tell you more on the backside of uh, the podcast. But uh, check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Without further ado, let's uh, pick up our conversation with Shane White and uh, find out what's going on. The Braun graphic novel, an excellent science fiction adventure, lots of fun. And uh, we talk about it now with creator Shane White on Word Balloon. I am always happy to welcome Shane White back to Word Balloon, not just because he writes and draws a lot of my favorite comics. He also uh, uh, did me a huge solid back in the day, in the early days of Word Balloon, and created the Word Balloon logo. So, as always, Shane, thank you for that, because uh, that's how people know me. And uh, thanks for coming back. Hey, yeah, thank you, John. I appreciate it. I'm surprised you're still using that logo. I, I cringe every time I see it because I see mistakes, and uh, I want to I want to fix it for you. <laughs> well, should you ever have the time? Because that was totally gratis, dude. It was it was a it was a very nice thing. So I'm I'm all for updating it, but I almost feel like a couple people have tried to make me other logos, and I I always liked your design. It it's simple. It says what it is. Yeah, you know, and well, people recognize it and stuff, and that's awesome. Well, I'm honored you're still using it. So. My pleasure, man. <laughs> so we're we're here to talk about a couple projects you got going, and one of them is uh, Braun. And mm-hmm. um, Braun was a successful Kickstarter. But uh, first of all, let's talk about the, the graphic novel. It's a uh, it's a big graphic novel. So tell people that yeah. give them the ten cent elevator tour of uh, you know the story pitch behind Braun. Okay, well, uh, Braun is uh, basically about a girl and her high tech guardian robot protector, Braun. And they are wreckers at a, a robot reclamation uh, company called Mobile Strike Services. And their company is doing so well that they're bought out by uh, Axiom, a incumbent Politicor. In this world of uh, DECA City, Politicors are basically corporations that run for office, and that gives them all the rights and uh, uh, to advertise and do whatever they want. Um, so... In this case, they flag Braun because he has these serial origination codes that are believed to be part of a missing project that's 20 years old. And so when they kidnap him, uh, Maven and her friends end up trying to break him out. But what they find out is the truth about her missing parents and the deeper truth that will uh, forever change mankind. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of political uh, 
controversy and uh, it's a it's a futuristic a futuristic setting and as you say corporations yeah. are you know kind of running the world and uh, liquid data is kind of the coin of yeah. the realm right yeah yeah exactly um it, it's i try to to create a world where you had uh, you know these giant corporations like microsoft type corporations um, that are selling faulty products to the masses. But to get the good stuff, you have to go underground. And there's um, a group of underground dwellers called Smithies that create product that actually works. You know, So like a, a lot of these uh, people who create apps and stuff for your phone that really help, you know, uh, help with your lifestyle, um, I think it's kind of a parallel to that uh, today. Sure. So, yeah. But in this case, uh, the I think the, the the crux of the story is to sort of suggest that all that we see is not what it is, or it's not what it seems, and that there is a better life uh, out there. But you have to really dig for it. It's a huge graphic novel. It's over 170 pages. And I yeah. was, uh, you know, on your Kickstarter campaign, you mentioned 30 extra pages. Did they? Did they make it in the the final product, or um, you know how how big is it story wise? So story wise, it's still it's a it's about 174, 175 pages. Uh, then there's like 25 to 30 pages of back matter. Great. I, I've been working on this project for quite a long time, and I was able to add additional pages because I found a way to cut the uh, postage down from your basic media mail to a thing called bound printed matter, which I'm not sure a lot of people are privy to, but I was able to uh, work with a friend of mine to get that to work out. But yeah, I I had a lot of concept art, a lot of um, iterations of logos and characters and turnarounds and all these things. And I've I've always liked back matter when it was full and rich. Um, It was kind of like the the DVD extras. Yeah. Um, So, you know, uh, and this book is eight and a half by eleven, so I wanted it to be this nice big coffee table book that you could display or you know uh, defend yourself from an intruder, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, I just I thought, well, you know, if I got one shot at this, I want to make it exactly the way I want to make it, and uh, I think it turned out pretty well. Um, I think you're right. Pretty happy with it. Yeah, man. No, it's gorgeous. Uh, the colors are great. You're a fine artist uh, and a fine designer. You, I like your uh, city uh, world building and your robotic design that you've got going for the for the book as well. Um, Thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, and you're you know you've got this comics and gaming background. Um, yeah. You've, you know you you've put out your own books and you've uh, had moments where you've worked on things like the Fantastic Four. Um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and uh, and and game game wise, I'm sure on the intro I've given you. Uh, given your dossier in terms of your, your comic stuff, but uh, game-wise, tell us some of the things you've worked on. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's weird because games are, there's so many games that are put out all the time, and to get on a notable game of any worth, it's, uh, it's it can be rare. Uh, I think I've worked on several of the Warner Brothers uh, War of the North games, the uh, Lord of the Rings games wow. um, that have recently come out in the past several years and but that was only like a little freelance job that i had done on the side of you know working at uh, other game companies so 
you know, there's been a slew of games that I've worked on that no one's really heard about because they've either been pulled off the market or uh, who knows, you know, it's just a small title that, you know, nobody really knows about. I mean, I, I worked a little bit on Sly Cooper, uh, which is probably a really well-known um, game in, in terms of PlayStation games. Um, a buddy of mine just called me up and said, hey, do you want to work on this for a few months? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. And so it was, it was great to work on a character-based game. And I think that's the same with Braun is that I really wanted to work on a character-based uh, story or comic story. Um, I think in the past I've just kind of done more story-based things and nothing where you can really sink your teeth in and create a world and create you know characters that you know, respond to that world and, and so forth. Gotcha. Braun also has a very human personality compared to, yeah. you know, straight like data or any any sci-fi robot that you can think of or cyborg or android um yeah and i'm sure that you know obviously that's that's part of the story as well as uh why braun is so human yeah yeah it's interesting years ago um i i had worked with the paul chadwick um of uh, concrete fame on, sure. on a project um actually that's a, a well a fairly well-known product um the matrix online um, I worked with him, and for whatever reason, we hit it off. And he ended up—he kept sending me his his concrete uh, graphic novels that uh, Dark Horse had put out. They were like these little um, sort of collections of, of concrete, and I was just like, "Wow, this is like so much like what I'm trying to do with robots." But he did it with you know this this concrete guy. Yep. Um, and so the, yeah, that was that was kind of like the closest thing that I could relate to it, but. Trying to sell this project, it was I think it was harder than anything I'd ever done because it's not just one thing. And through doing this Kickstarter, I was really forced to to focus on on what it is, what makes Braun Braun, and why do people want to read this? You know, got it. You you succeeded with your Kickstarter. You you uh, were asking for yeah. I think just under seventeen grand, and you got over seventeen grand. But now you're at an interesting level where uh, you're you're pitching to Diamond. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I I had a bunch of friends who've had successful Kickstarters, and they were well known in, in other you know having done other books and and whatnot. So they were able to actually ship out a fairly good number of, uh, of books, uh, but they never had gone to that next step where they were solicited in Diamond. And so now that I've fulfilled all the orders, I've got a bunch of books that I want to sell in the, uh, the mainstream. Um, so, or the direct market. And so, you know, doing research in that, I, I looked at diamond and pulled all the, uh, PDFs down that they require you that you fill out. And part of it is that they want to know what the marketing strategy is for, for your book. And so, just going through that information, like one of the first things they ask you is, you know, how many followers do you have on Facebook, on Twitter, on, you know, Instagram? And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, you know, it's weird because getting on Kickstarter, you have to use social media to get the word out. And sure. it's this 30 days of just pounding, you know, people over the head, you know, because they're not on the social media at the same time that you're promoting the book. So you're doing it around the clock and, 
it's so not my personality. It's, it, it was really hard. It was, I tell friends that, you know, it's like being locked in the closet with a box of cigars and you have to smoke every one of them. Um, <laughs> by the time I was done, I was, I was done with social media. And so I was like, what the hell, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to, you know, feed that beast anymore, but you know, so I went through and started listing out, you know, all the followers I had. And I'm like, this is pathetic. <laughs> I don't have enough followers. I'm like, does that disqualify me? And then, you know, there's a lot of questions on there. And I think what they're really trying to do is you're trying to say, why should we believe in your book? If you don't believe in your book, are you already doing the, the legwork to get the word out there? And a large part of that is, you know, are you preemptively getting notice on websites and podcasts and, and so forth? Are you paying for advertisement? And to be honest, I, I don't really have any real guidance for that. I mean, I've seen people, uh, I've worked with other publishers, but they've already, they've been around for a while. So to start up, you know, as a, as your own publisher, I think is a really new and interesting uh, learning experience. Totally. And I, and I understand I mean, you know, yeah, I, I believe me, I don't know if I would be on as much social media if I didn't have Word Balloon to promote. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, I, and I get it, man. And, you know, I mean, you want to be social and you want to be fun. And I can only imagine, yeah, having to, yeah, spend a month just pumping and pr promoting the product, like you say, hour after hour, because you got to make sure you catch every eyeball. And, yeah, a lot of times uh, if you've got a lot of people that you follow – your tweet or your post on Facebook or wherever may not reach my eyes because I'm following so many other people. And, yeah. you know, and it, depending mean, on what time of day it is, too, yeah, you know, it may not show up. Yeah, and that was part of that learning experience. And I think what was super helpful was that because I had a bunch of friends who had done it before, I asked them a lot of questions. I was super prepared. And, you know, going into this game, it's 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 all about being prepared it, it, to every every last tenth degree as possible, and I didn't. I was lucky enough not to have any gotchas along the way. I mean, I think the 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 one thing that surprised me was that people reacted as well as they did. And I mean, that's the kind of surprise you want. You don't sure. want to know that I didn't have enough money for postage, or you know, you didn't right. package it correctly, or or something. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like if you do your due diligence and you're calm and, and dedicated, you'll you'll get through it. And so I'm I'm really hopeful that I can, you know, get the, the word out there and and Diamond will pick this up and I can get into more stores and just get more eyeballs on it. Because, I mean, that's really the reason why we do all this stuff is that we want an audience, you know. Uh, the landscape has changed so much in, in the five or five plus years I've been working on this project that it's like you, you – Stick your head up out of the hole, and you're like, "Well, what's uh, what's the market look like?" And it's it's this whole whole new world. Totally is. Um, I'm glad you mentioned too that for the Kickstarter, you had you found this different kind of postage rate that you could take advantage of. And uh, yeah, I was wondering in terms because that's always, as you said, the, one of the nightmares that you hear about with uh, crowdfunding sometimes is you know the sliding scale of especially international postage. And things like yeah. that. How far of an international reach did you get with Braun? Oh, that was interesting. Um, I, I, it, as far as the uh, reach, I, I think I got as far as New Zealand wow. and I think France um, and maybe somewhere in Indonesia. But 
as far as physical postage, I think I only had to ship to England and Spain, maybe, and Chile okay, and Argentina. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, and what's nice is the, the money that I saved on postage in some areas I paid for a little extra in, in international postage. Yeah. You just, you know, it's the, it's the curse of, you know, and the curse and blessing of, you know, do you have too many, um, too many patrons and uh, who end up getting the book and, and are most of them in Japan or, or uh, overseas. And it's like, well, you're just hoping that it's the right balance. And for me, it, it worked out well. I mean, for a good, for first uh, Kickstarter, it did, it did fine. I, I would have hate to have had to fill out uh, more orders than I did. And I think, being a one-man operation, being a little bit of a control freak about these things, um, you know, it, it worked out really well. Um, yeah, and, and with, with the bound printed matter, how that came about was my friends over at uh, I don't want to want to step on any toes if I'm plugging their comic store, but uh, Arcane Comics and more up in Shoreline. Okay, they were they were like. Yeah, you know, whatever you want to do, you can use our, our label printing and, and our scales. Oh, that's nice. And so I was like, awesome, because I'm I designed their logo for their uh, for the store, and I did a bunch of um, graphics for their doors and whatnot. And so they were just like, yeah, man, whatever you want. And so you know, I bought the labels, and they showed me how to use the software. And because they use um, a certain type of software. They, I was able to get this bound printed matter rate, which works really well because it's you know he has a permit, and we just take it to the to the post office and off it goes. But it's almost say a third less, maybe wow. even a half of media mail. Very cool. So for for shipping locally, you know, with it, you know whether it's there's eight zones in the U.S. and each zone has a certain price point based on Wait. Okay. So, brown so, printed matter rate. So that's something uh, yeah. to look up, kids, and uh, do a little homework on that. It compared to media mail, and find yeah. you know find a buddy, find a buddy that has that permit. Uh, obviously, yeah. might be a key. And no, that's a seriously, man. That's an awesome tip, and that's what I yeah. kind of hope for when I'm talking to people about their Kickstarter and GoFundMe uh, stories of self-publishing and stuff are yeah what are what are the what are the tricks that you learned or advantages and uh that's that's a good one so yeah thank you for you youngsters out there i feel like i'm on uh tommy lasorda's <laughs> old baseball uh uh <laughs> show that they used to show on saturdays for kids uh, learning how to play better baseball so that's awesome yeah <laughs> and you know and as it goes we're becoming you know we're obviously getting older, and there are younger kids who are doing really well <laughs> in this industry. So, oh man, you know, I find it. Go ahead, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I found it interesting years ago when um, um, Cheeks Galloway was, yeah. had just published his first book through Brand Studio. Cheeks Galloway, for Keeps people talking. who don't know who we're talking about, uh, the it's Sean, right? Isn't Sean? Isn't that uh, yeah, Sean? Yeah, yeah. who uh, did. Uh, one of the great Spider-Man animated series, and uh, oh god, yeah, yeah, in the in the late nineties or rather early two thousands, yeah, about ten he years ago. Or so. about, yeah, and and when when he had first got it, he was like one of the first guys out of the gate to come, to do this book for Brand Studios, and I think that's what really launched um, 
launched the, uh, Alberto Ruiz's uh, uh, book line, but okay. he was shipping the books out and he was talking about how expensive it was. And I said, dude, have you heard about media mail? And, and he, at the time, I don't think he had. And, and then he was just like, dude, that, it saved me a whole bunch of money. And yeah. it's like, awesome. That's great. But it's all these little things that you find along the way. You're just like, God, you got to share that because, you know, it's sink or swim out there, and those margins are getting thinner every day. I hear you, man. You know, Ryan Brown, who currently uh, people might know oh, through yeah. his image book, Curse Words, with uh, with Charles Soule, <laughs> and, of course, uh, his own God Hates Astronauts and stuff. I mean, you know, Ryan yeah. is half my age or, you know, close enough to that, and it's been yep. such an education. And, and really, it's such a pleasure watching him talk shop with – other creators, whether it's on a panel or in Artist Alley. And, okay, this is what works, this is what doesn't work, and you might think this is a good idea, but here's why it isn't. And my favorite was Evan Dorkin and him being on a panel together at one of Tony Moore's uh, Cincinnati cons. And Evan, you know, Evan likes to play with people a little bit sometimes, and this is a young guy and he really doesn't know who he is. And then, you know, Ryan started talking, and really, it was so great to watch Evan's demeanor change and be like, hey, this guy knows what he's talking about. What the hell? And it was really, really great. And, and really, it was such a great – and not that he was rude to him or anything like that, but it, he suddenly put no, up no. when he realized how much knowledge Ryan has when it comes to self-publishing and crowdfunding and everything. And it's like, oh, my God. And and really, I just – it was it was really great. So that, that made me feel good because I, I put the – I put that panel together, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. They're, they're, I'm glad these guys are <laughs> liking each other and helping each other. That's fantastic. So. Yeah. Well, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, uh, Ryan was one of those guys I went to, and I was just like, dude, what did what did you learn? And he was super willing to share, and yeah. it's just like, he's just, he, had, he had just the right amount of quirk and the right time, and, and he was able to get his work out there, and he was dedicated, and um, he did a lot of the legwork, so I give him all the credit, man, for for doing that and sharing it. And it's just great that um, that the long, younger guys are, are part of this sharing culture that I think has not always been there. Yeah. And I think some of us older guys who've been around the block for a while, you know, we've always wanted to share, but and none of our peers were really into that. Uh, so I think I think that's that's changed quite a bit. I agree. Uh, and for the better. So. No, totally, man. And I and yeah, even in podcasting, I think sometimes it's like we're all at a poker table. And nobody wants to show their cards, and <laughs> <laughs> until they absolutely have to. So I I do understand that. Now, one other aspect of self publishing is you know obviously going directly to the stores and uh, you right. know asking them to carry your books and stuff. Do you have have you had access to any sort of master list of good stores? Oh, I mean, yeah. obviously you know you know your local area. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. and, and can help. Now, and again, I and forgive me. I know it's you're like Upper West Coast, right? Where, what uh, what state are you in again? Other than confusion, um, Washington. There you yeah. go. Okay, so are you Seattle or? Uh... Yeah. Yep. Okay. In cool. Seattle. Excellent. So yeah, I mean, you know, did you have a did you have a national kind of list of okay, these are cool stores that you know you can talk to and at least are willing to hear out a pitch and check something out. Yeah, I, I actually. Um, tracked down a list. Uh, another uh, creator friend of mine was, uh, had put something together with some other people, and and I think what I think in that case, I had contacted them around the Kickstarter when I was building the Kickstarter, letting them know that this book exists. Um, and this was not just in the states; it was in over in Europe as well. And 
I can understand where the mistake might have been that to tie their money up for two to three months before the book actually gets printed uh, and then shipped out to them, I think was a lot to ask. So to your point, I think it probably would behoove me to go back to that list and revisit those, you know, those comic shops and say, Hey, the book is printed. I can send it directly to you. I could cut out the middleman, you know, but that also means all that shipping to all the separate stores sure. for me, which would be, you know, kind of a lot of work to do. So it's, you know, if, if, if it fails at diamond or if it, for whatever reason, they don't pick it up, you know, that's my fallback plan. Okay. That's the backup. Is it cost prohibitive? I mean, is it hard in terms of postage where it really does, you know, kind of dig into your profit margin from what the book costs and everything to ship it to, uh, some places? Yeah, it can, especially with the overseas guys. Sure. Um, there's a limit even on on uh, size, um, size and weight yeah. for I think uh, media mail, and I don't know what it is for bound printed matter. I think there is a, a limit for that, but uh, I'd have to dig in deeper. Uh, sure. And I figure, you know, if if and when it comes to that, then I'll, I'll just I don't want to become an expert about it just yet. I hear. I didn't think I'd be going this far uh, down the, down that rabbit hole, but I, I did, and, and here I am. And it's like, wow, I guess I may, might be a publisher here, um, but I don't know. You know, maybe you know, maybe it'll get easier if I publish another book. You know, sure down the road. Do so. you now? I know you offer it digitally uh, at your website, um, and is it going through ShaneWhite.com and Studio White, or like uh, which which website Just, for people? Yeah, everything is. Everything, uh, actually, uh, as of today, the fifth issue, because I had broken this up into issues in case I was going to publish it sing in singles. Got it. Uh, but it's basically five chapters. So I've been, each issue has been um, coming out through Comixology at the moment. Okay, sure. So uh, the fifth issue just dropped today, which is the final issue in the series. And you can just, Google, you know, Studio White or Shane Patrick White uh, um, Comicsology, and you'll find it. Uh, I've had to start making more distinction with my name because there was another Shane White out there. Oh, okay. There's nothing like getting a, a producer, a movie producer, saying, "Hey, we'd really like to turn your book into a film." And I'm like, "Whoa, okay." And he's like, "I don't know where you're teaching at right now." And I'm like, "Oh." You want the Australian professor who wrote about black slavery, not me. So oh, the worst, <laughs> I said, man. I said, well, I, I would, I'd love to turn my books into a film, if you, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you probably want the Australian professor. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm moving towards adding my middle name to things now, just because you know I, I think it's probably for the best. <laughs> I hear you. Well, I will. Uh, we will bill you as uh, Shane uh, Patrick White then on this uh, on this podcast to help yeah. help. Uh, properly uh you know make sure that that happens that's like uh david mack the artist and david mack the sci-fi writer and oh you know the, wow. who's written a lot of uh star trek novels and original novels as well but yeah initially wow. you know i mean and i i learned you know kabuki david is is the one that i met first and i happened to notice because i'm such a star trek fan these these right. david mack star trek novels and i contacted kabuki david and i'm like that's not you, is it? He's like, no, 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 different guy. 
And they're both David wow. Mack. They're still both going by David Mack. So. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, you got to claim that name. It's funny because like it's it, it seems like only uh, serial killers and uh, uh, authors go by three names. You know. <laughs> yes, this is true. That's hilarious, man. Well, and I don't, you know, I, I don't have to worry. I'm kind of uh, last of the Suntresses, so I. <laughs> oh, good. There you go. So, me and the Mohicans, exactly. That's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm the yeah. last one, so I uh, yeah. I don't have to worry about uh, too many other uh, John Suntresses. I had to worry about a couple word balloons out there, but uh, oh, really? Well, you know, I'm trying to move and, I, and I always, I always uh, thank her, and I and now I'm blanking on on her. Bridget, Bridget Alverson, who is a great mm-hmm. comics uh, journalist who I've always respected. She started a blog uh, pointing people in the direction of kid-friendly comics. And it's like, hey, I'm going right. to call it Word Balloons and wordballoons.net. And I'm like, yeah, I was already here first. And she's like, well, it's, it's different uh, enough. And I'm like, no, nah, it really isn't. And and I kind of like uh, insist. I go, please, Bridget, like, please, please change it. And she finally did. And literally for like five years yeah. afterwards, I'm like, oh, Bridget, I can't thank you enough for like backing down. Thank you. <laughs> And yeah, she, she's really, a really good writer, and she's—I see her at cons all the time, and she's she's a great woman. She she really is very very cool, and I really felt like, oh, oh man, I'm sorry, but come on, man, I was here first. My stuff's at News Around. Yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> That's you know that was very commendable. I, I absolutely, you. man. Like I said, truly, every time I see her, I'm like you know, like her biggest fan, and I'm like, thank you again. It's like, all right, it's been it's been a lo- it's been long enough. Shut up, we're done. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, right. as far as uh, yeah. like, actually, or- go ahead. No, you go ahead. As far as actually ordering it, no, this is what we want. We want people to come buy the product. Then, so yeah. yeah as, far, as far as actually ordering the, the book, they, uh, people can go to my website now. I, I have uh, have it in my store. You should be able to get it, and I can ship it out to you directly. Um, I'm going to be listing some other products that were part of the Kickstarter that you would only be able to get from my website. I had some uh, embroidered patches yeah. made, which were pretty awesome because uh, you can just iron them onto anything and uh, supposedly they work. Cool. Um, I haven't oh, actually done iron, it yet. I actually... iron-on patches like in the old days, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> if, I, if I could have gotten some kind of hologram belt buckles, I would have gotten that too. But wow. <laughs> didn't get around to it. Ah. But, uh, but yeah, the T-shirts and whatnot will be up there and uh, at some point. Uh, the art prints um, that uh, I made from the oil painting that ended up getting uh, purchased uh, through the Kickstarter. Oh, that's cool. That was great. I'm glad that premium uh, went to someone. That's that's wonderful. The That's the thing, man. Seriously, I'm not just saying this because you're on as a guest. Mm. You do. You've got great design ideas, and I loved the way the Braun T-shirts came out. And uh, I, I have a feeling I'll be using that picture from your video. Oh, cool. uh, to promote this uh, episode when we when we see, see you, uh, and and oh, yeah, man, no, it's it's great. So again, is it is it uh, studiowhite dot com? No, it's just it's shanewhite dot com. Okay, and and the, the reason why I have two sites is I have a professional site where I make most of my money, and then I have the the more creative uh, site where sometimes I make money, sometimes I don't. Yeah, I it's, it's one of those things. It's like you know, I wanted to keep them separate because I, I create so much content and you know, I just don't want people to wade through it all. So yeah, definitely shanewhite.com is pretty much where you get all the comic book goodness that I, I try to put out there. Do you have, uh, pages of brawn, uh, free, uh, like, you know, do you, I mean, I know you, you had that for during the Kickstarter. I don't know if you're still offering that or not, given that you're both selling it digitally and, you know, considering if you are, you know, 
you were considering well, putting them out as, as uh, single magazines as well. But yeah, tell me. Well, I had a um, on my site. You can click uh, to the right of the front page, and there's the actual. Um, it's kind of like a web comic that is in grayscale only. Okay. And so you can read the entire story if you want. Wow. But I, I think the, the the idea was that the color was really the hero here. Um, it's one of those projects that was weird. Like I wanted to show people the, the, the work, but I didn't really like the black line um, because the way I did it was a lot more simplistic and I wanted to really uh, use my painting skills sure. to, 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 you know, uh, exemplify the, the story more and so in that I I thought well you know it still reads in black and white and grayscale um, I'll just I'll put it up for free and if people really really want the story in color it, I think it's definitely worth worth picking up it's it's one of the my favorite things I've done. So yeah, man. Yeah. Well, and you're I, and you are a great color. I mean, a colorist. I, I think it. I, I think uh, the book really pops in color. So I think the the one problem though is what I realized, and I, I hope I don't really ever color my work again. Is that I'm not a comic book colorist. I'm too damn slow. It took about two and a half years to color the thing. Wow. Which is not the uh, industry. Uh, <clears throat> standard yeah I can <laughs> appreciate that. It's, it's like the oh man it's like the slowest it's like I'd, I I was probably I'd probably be better off painting the thing uh, in watercolor or gouache or something as opposed to doing it all digitally um, which you know that could be a thing down the road I, I don't know I'm, it's uh, it's something I've been toying with and doing a lot of so we'll see now you sent me another uh, story and I don't know if you wanted to talk about that on the air or not Oh yeah, 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 we can. Well, because I, because uh, coloring kind of might play a role in this, and that's uh, Dead Man's Curve that you're doing with our buddy yeah. B. Claymore. And uh, the, yeah. you know, this is something you guys are pitching right now. Uh, we, we had done the, the project uh, last year when I, in between uh, trying to get the Kickstarter going and, and you know launching it, and so I, we got it off the ground, and it's it was something we'd been talking about for a number of years. And so I'm like, okay, I've got some time. Let me, let me just try to jump in here and do this. And so I was trying another way of, of coloring to see if I could speed up the process, which is basically instead of uh, penciling in pencil, I would rough the story out and then I would just go directly to color. And so it was kind of a little bit of an experiment of trying to harness a lot of the illustration style from the sixties. Yes. And to, to sort of infuse this into this sort of sunshine noir story that he had come up with. And, um, I don't know. I think it works on some level and in other ways I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll make some adjustments as we go. But at the moment we're just kind of pitching it around and seeing if there's any interest and, uh, it's a slow process, but you know we'll see. Well, I I think the coloring in that and contra I mean, both styles work. Uh, what you did color wise for Braun works, and this is a different palette because it's a surfer '60s kind of detective story, as you say, sunshine noir. And uh, I think in both cases, man, really successful. And that's why at first when you said that, I'm like, oh, maybe he didn't color Dead Man's Curve. But you did. And oh, yeah. It looks great. It looks, you know, and it reminds <laughs> me. I just talked to. Uh, Frank Barberi and Victor Santos about violent mm. love, and, okay. and it's you know again it's it's a really great palette. It also reminds me of the palette that Clay 
and uh, Nick was it Nick Darrington uh, with originally with Hawaiian Dick? Oh sure, yeah, you yeah. Know? So it's got yeah. you know it's kind of got those kind of you know perfect kind of uh, '60s kind of tiki and and surf kind of colors. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time looking at those uh, those lurid uh, paperback covers from the '60s, <laughs> and I just <laughs> McGinnis and yeah, some of the other great uh, paperback artists and stuff. Dude, aren't those hard case library? books that are coming out now and they're and i don't (laughs) know how many of them are just repurposing old paperback covers but they fit the stories and and yeah man you can't put that stuff down i have two uh art of robert mcginnis books that oh yeah yeah yeah, you you just you can you can so easily get lost in those uh in those beautiful painted covers what I love about it is is the the fact that there's not a lot of polish to them. It was just like we're just cranking it out, and you can see the texture coming through. Sure. And to try to decipher how that's done, whether it's just you know uh, acrylic paint mixed with soap, uh, and then yeah. you use that as a base over like a, uh, you know Conti crayon. I mean, these are real techniques that you know guys like um, you know James Avati or or even uh, Robert Peak were doing back in the sixties, okay. and it's it's just it's just awesome to to go through and figure out. Okay, well, what does it mean to to try the style in this part of the story? You know, do we want the reader to linger on this moment, this emotional thing? And so, in those instances, I'll do a full painted face or something. But if I really want the the music and the jazz uh, or, or the surf. Uh, music to, to really feel kinetic, then I'll just do super loose line and some loose color fill and just try to drive that story through. Because I think one thing that I've noticed about comics is while there's a lot of variety of new comics coming out and a lot of different voices, that I don't see a lot of people pushing the medium as much as I'd like to. I think the last uh, book that I've read, and this is because I don't really read a lot of uh, comics these days or haven't had a chance to, but um, David Mazzuccelli's Asterios Pollock sure. uh, graphic novel from a, several years ago. It was just amazing, you know, yeah. um, and it worked on so many levels. But, you know, not that I'm creating anywhere near as, as intensely as that. Uh, I'd still like to find ways to, to push the medium and, you know, make my voice heard. Well, I, I really hope you guys uh, find a home for Dead Man's Curve because it's yeah it, it looks great yeah and you know yeah, you're you're you, you, Clay's in his element and you're clearly in yours as well visually uh, I I I'm a sucker for any kind of period noir and uh, yeah. you know and again I think uh, there's certainly a market for this stuff now with things like Violent Love and uh, some of the other stuff that's coming right. out so yeah I can uh, I I I think you guys are onto something here and I'd love to see it I I, I always want uh, Shane to go back to, or rather, uh, Clay to go back to his uh, 76 book that he came out with. A few oh, years yeah. Ago. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I, that was the other thing, too, is like, you know, I, I know he kind of is always doing the retro thing. And, and I was, I'm always kind of working in, you know, sci-fi or something where it's, I can make stuff up. But there's there's a thing about this project that was really that hit me in a lot of ways is because I, I grew up reading like Hot Rod magazine and <laughs> I was, you know, big fan of those paperback covers like I was saying and and so, you know, there's a, a mix of all these clicks from that era of the sort of birth of the youth culture right, that I think 
through film and, and television, I think really speak to me. And so I was like, man, that sounds like a really great story. You know, this is totally worth doing. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And, uh, even Expatriate sort of had a little bit of that. Yes. 60s sort of thing going on. Him and, uh, uh, Jason uh, and, and shame on me, not Jason uh, Latour. Expatriate. Yeah, Latour. Yeah, that was, yeah. that's the first time I saw Jason's uh, art back then and everything. Yeah. So, no, you're right. And especially uh, that 60s culture, like you said, uh, certainly film and television and, and music, of course, with the Beach Boys and stuff and the cars of yeah. the time. And you've certainly captured the period cars as I'm uh, scanning through it right now. And I, I see the Woodies and uh, some of those other great, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of hot rod uh, magazine kind of uh, surf mobiles that they had back then and stuff to house all the shit that you had to take to the beach when you were surfing. Sure, yeah, yeah. So I think the hardest part about that is that first issue. I think there's 25 main characters, <laughs> and so there's like motorcycle gangs and custom car culture gangs, and they each have their own uh, vehicle and ride and look. And it's just like, oh my god! And so trying to keep it all in line with like, who is this? You know, whose vehicle is this, and whose uh, personality fits this motorcycle? Um, Man, that, that was a lot of work. It was like three months of production going uh, that went into that just to get it straight. And and I, I'm glad I did it because it was just it was a lot of fun, and I got to listen to a lot of great music. And yeah, a lot of Dick, so we'll lot of Dick Dale, uh, I would imagine. A lot of Dick Dale, a lot of a Man or Astro Man. Nice um, ventures, you know. Hmm? The ventures with a V. Ventures. The ventures, yeah, of course. yeah. I mean, I. It, um, Clay was turning me on to stuff I hadn't heard before, and it's like, oh, this is awesome, man. <laughs> there was a new, so, yeah. There was a newer uh, group, the Aqua Velvets, and oh, and I remember really? them from the '90s working in radio, in in rock radio and stuff. And I and I always would use their album, especially during the mm. summer for, uh, for 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 promos for uh, you know stuff at the lake or you know kind of beach oriented kind of. Uh, happenings and stuff like that and yeah it was great because it does it has that kind of dick dale classic guitar riff or the ventures as well walk don't run for people don't know you know like uh, shadowy man on a shadowy planet was kind of big in the late 90s too (laughs) that's right you remember that yes that's right well that's the thing you know because of uh because of pulp fiction and and tarantino you know that's i said this with uh rob burnett because rob burnett uh the director who made free enterprise the the mm. Shatner movie that kind of has fun with Star Trek fans and everything. The uh, you know because he's like I, I really feel like some old, some great kitschy old stuff that we all loved. He's like I don't think right. I don't think it reaches a young audience. And I'm like it always takes somebody mm. like a Tarantino to put a modern spin on right. it. And you know there's always some hipster creator that understands yeah. why things were cool back in the old days and will yeah. reinterpret it for a young audience. And it's, you know, and then you find out, oh, my God, where'd you find this music or where'd you find this look? And, you know, <laughs> they're, most are yeah. happy to share their interests and say, oh, yeah, you know, I got that from Dick Dale or I got that from The Ventures or whatever. And, it you know, obviously then people will seek that stuff out. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, the There's always going to be people looking backwards at some point in time and it just depends on who's taking the pulse. That they'll know what to do with it or not. Yes. Like the other day, somebody out of the blue contacted me and said, "Hey, do you um, <clears throat> give me uh, original art from the D and D manual, uh, Hellgate Keep?" And I'm like, 
let me check. And I'm like, this is like the first RPG stuff I did back in the mid nineties. Wow. But this guy just wanted, he's a sound, um, engineer who works in animation and he's like, yeah, I'm just going through and I'm collecting all the art that I, I loved uh, back when I was playing D and D and I'm like, no kidding. Jeez, that's awesome. So, so yeah, he bought like everything. Oh, that's <laughs> like, terrific. Damn. But I didn't throw it away. So <laughs> that's fantastic. So yeah. No, or like Remender with fear agent loving fifties mm-hmm. EC comics, sci-fi comics and, you know, again, yeah. you know, creating creating uh, Heath and everything is the fear agent himself, and and yeah. yeah, you know, all of a sudden it's it's brand new again and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So very excellent. Yeah. What else? What what else? Are you, I mean, right now is the focus trying to obviously hope you know get Braun uh, to to Diamond. Is this is this the big push right now? Yeah. So. Um... Getting some marketing done, getting the word out there. Uh, that way, I can fill out the documentation and then submit it to Diamond. Is kind of in front and center. Okay. Um, because this project had taken so long, I've, I'm sort of uh, trying to take a little bit of a break from doing comics, but I'm not really doing a good job at it. <laughs> it's like, like I'm writing a lot, so I'm trying to build up the inventory. Good. So. I finished. Uh, I wrote a novel. Um, I wrote a twelve-issue uh, series uh, that I want to pitch with another artist at some point. I just I wanted to do a book where I actually didn't draw it. Sure. But I wanted to, to create this, you know, really rich story and, and collaborate with somebody. But all the people that I wanted to work with are are busy working on really cool stuff. So it's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'll end up doing this at some point. But but yeah, mainly I've been just for the last two years I've been studying really hard um, trying to I want to be a writer you know on some level and uh, you know not have to freelance as much with the art you know sure. uh, it's kind of a strange transition because I've always done art as the, the main focus but, you know it's if it, 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 nothing else it's a great opportunity to diversify and just become a better storyteller totally. at the end of the day that's really where my heart is I hear you um, I've also been working on a thing called The Process, which combines my love of audio, visual, uh, and teaching. Uh, it's a YouTube channel that has uh, basically, it's not your traditional how-to videos, but it does sort of cover some how to uh, do certain things. A lot of it's you know inking and watercolor. Uh, I do some voiceover stuff. Uh, in it, or sometimes I'll uh, do annotated stuff. A lot of people are doing this these days, and it's just like, well, it's something I like to do, and I just want to create a product that I can keep pumping out in a way and learn as I do it. Because I think when you start teaching what you know, you learn a little bit more. Yes, it's a really strange thing. It's like it's like when you're telling somebody a story. I'm going to tell you the story. And when you actually hear it coming out of your mouth and it goes back into your head and you're like, hey, that's a good point. Let me let me think more about that point and expand on it. So um, I think with, with this, the process, which you can find through, you know, Shane White, Shane Patrick White uh, YouTube, um, it should come up. But I think with that, at some point, I'd love to create something a little more regimented where it's like, hey, um, do you want to learn how to become a professional artist? It's not about how to draw. It's about being a professional artist, about working in any industry, 
about presenting yourself and about pure creativity. Like, how do you get there? And just trying to share what, you know, my angle on it. Um, because I've seen a lot of people do it and they do really well, but they're not, it's great because it, I feel like there's still room to explore. I hear you. And so that's what I'm doing. That's excellent, man. No, yeah, I don't blame you. And you're using your talents and like you said, learning about yourself as you're trying to teach people uh, how to do it as well. I think that's, ter- that's terrific. That's great. And also, yeah. isn't it amazing? All these uh, platforms that we have now to explore our creativity <clears throat> beyond what was there when we were getting started and everything. I just, I, I, I you know, as I'm yeah. back in uh, on air radio in a part-time capacity, I'm, I'm talking to both younger and, and, and older people and they're curious about right. what I've been doing podcast wise and just explaining it to them and everything. And it's, it's fun to see both people younger and people older interested and wanting to stretch beyond again, what was conventional right. and the only ways to express yourself creatively for so long. And that's why this yeah. whole, I, I keep saying it, this citizen media explosion online, it, you know, it's, it's still a front, a wild frontier. And I think uh, what we try to put out independently is as valid and interesting uh, and possibly catching an audience as well as, traditional media trying to explore the same these same online platforms and anyone can succeed if they've got the right idea and and i think yeah. you know again i think you we can compete we can compete with the big boys uh because we're nimble and we're we're you know we can move faster on ideas we're not afraid to put resources behind doing something like that and uh yeah i i just think that the possibilities are still endless and it's it's a very good time to be a creative person yeah, that's true. So. You know, I, I think you hit on a really important point, though, is the what's the definition of success? You know, when you're talking about guys like you and I, you know, we have lower overheads. We don't have right. to meet quotas or have to pay, you know, investors. Um, and, you know, that's you know, the reason why we can be nimble and, and be reactive and active at the same time. So I think uh, defining what success means is it not always money, you know? It could be happiness. Absolutely. It could be outlet. Yeah, well, and making so, you know, making the stuff and having it out there. And, I mean, that's the thing, man. You've got a stack of works uh, in, in several different, you know, mediums, gaming and, and comics and animation. And, and, you know, again, those possibilities are endless. And it's like, all right, fine. You know, maybe maybe at the end of the day, you know, we're not Walt Disney, but um, we've got right. we've got a stack of things we've made. And, and truly, that is what I've been telling the radio people and stuff and it's yeah. like yeah it's like okay you know i mean i'm in my early 50s and it's like i i'm uh, there's still plenty of time for me to achieve stuff what do i want to do that i haven't done yet and that's what i'm kind right. of gearing myself for and then yeah if they succeed or fail whatever but you know like i said i just kind of want to leave a stack of things when whenever i'm done right. and say okay well at least i made that stuff and yeah, you know, it's okay. I, I, I compare myself to a musician. I mean, yeah, there's musicians that play concerts in sold-out you know, arenas and stuff, and then there's the musician that's working bar to bar and very happy that he's playing and still getting you know, the attention that he's getting even bar to bar. Yeah, you're doing your, doing your practice, you're doing the work, yeah. you're uh, exercising your skill set, and at the same time you're, you're creating a, a, a bevy of, of content that – can always be uh, tapped into or looked at years later, and it's still of value. Um, I think that's, that's been 
the realization for me is that I, I'm doing this thing because it makes me happy. And yet at the same time, I keep playing with the idea, should I do a Patreon, you know, but then everyone's doing a Patreon and it's like, well, you know, I think like you, you probably don't have the same equipment that you started with. Right. Uh, and that stuff is expensive. Yeah. So it's just like, well, <laughs> you have to find more creative ways to, to put the bill. And, you know, I've, I've done some freelance, I've been trying to not do as much freelance, but every so often the job will come along. Like last year I did, um, have you ever heard of a card game called Munchkin? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Art Balthazar is working with Munchkin. Yeah. Okay. I thought I recognized his work because, yeah, we worked on, uh, they had these artist editions. And so I had done a, a Pathfinder comic for um, Dynamite a few years back. And somehow they contacted me, uh, Steve Jackson Games contacted me and said, hey, would you want to do a Munchkin Pathfinder card uh, uh, artist edition? I'm like, sure, why not? And I didn't realize how feverish people were over this game. And so I ended up doing like two or three sets, you know, like three or 400 cards. And I'd go to the shows and people would come up to me and, you know, there'd be like two cards you could get only at these shows. And, it, you know, I, they were so enthusiastic about it. I'm like, wow, you know, this is the kind of thing I think as creators you always want. You just want a really enthusiastic audience. But, you know, it wasn't because of me, you know, as much as it was the product. And I think still it's just to get a – uh, to, to be in the vicinity of that, I think, was really, really great. Absolutely. So, you know. No, that's great. Yeah, you know, uh, people might have seen the Munchkin ads recently on uh, DC Comics because that was a nice surprise. I think they were on the the back cover of some DC Comics or even inside. And immediately I, I recognized Art's art. And at first when he told me he was doing a Munchkin thing, I thought it was like some Wizard of Oz kind of deal. You know, that's the Munchkins. I'm like, you know, either that or Dunkin' Donuts. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And uh, and then, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, this is the Munchkin thing he's talking about. Fantastic. And, yeah, it was some sort of, like, create-your-own-superhero card game of some sort. Uh, yeah, generic yeah. superheroes. But, yeah, it was great. And, I, you know, immediately I'm like, oh, no, that's Artie. I, I recognized his art right away. So, yeah. In the, in the circle that back to a Kickstarter, it, it's amazing the um, the money being raised for uh, physical board games and card I've games. I, yes, I'm seeing an increase that's just insane. Like people are making three hundred thousand dollars, and they're serving what five to six thousand people, and it's just like this is amazing. You know, like I think that's probably one of the bigger success stories that I've seen, and. A long time in regards to Kickstarter. Uh, I think you're right. It's just outrageous. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I think yeah, board board games and ta- yeah, tabletop games. The, it's it's yeah. interesting that they've come back, and uh, and there's room I, for creativity and uh, for people to design their own games and stuff. So no, that's that's awesome, man. Well, you're you're a talented guy, man. And honestly, I uh, I'm always <laughs> I'm always happy to help you promote because. Uh, you're you're oh you're, you're a great storyteller, dude. So uh, people need to check out Braun, and they can go to. No, that's great, man. People need to go to uh, ShaneWhite.com, and uh, that's where they can order Braun and uh, Braun paraphernalia, and check out Braun as well. But uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's a it's a really great sci-fi series, sci-fi story, five parts, very long, 170 pages in a good way. I mean, this is a uh, this mm. is. This is a this is a serious graphic novel emphasis on novel in a good way, and it's a it's a really fun adventure story that, uh, as you say, it hits a lot of uh, core uh, genres, 
but at its heart, it's a really fun sci-fi adventure story that uh, has you know great characters and a great plot. So uh, congratulations on that, and I really hope that uh, Dead Man's Curve finds a home for you and Clay. Yeah, me too. I really appreciate it, John. That's Shane White. I hope you liked today's episode of Word Balloon, brought to you by Alex Ross Art. Thank you very much, Alex and Sal Abinati, for helping me out. And uh, I'll be at Comic-Con at the Alex Ross booth and at the Bill Sienkiewicz booth doing interviews and telling you about uh, you know some of the neat stuff that the both guys have coming out. We also have a Bill Sienkiewicz panel that will be happening on Thursday at Comic-Con. I'll give you more details, even more on the next episode of Word Balloon. But... Uh, I uh, hope uh, to have a chance to see you out in San Diego and uh, say hello. But also, uh, you'll be seeing some of our coverage from Comic-Con at the Alex Ross booth and the Bill Sienkiewicz booth. We'll be doing interviews, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait to do it. So thanks again, Alex Ross Art. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where there are great deals happening now. Uh, things like the DC Universe Rebirth, Deathstroke, Volume 2, The Gospel of Slade, Christopher Priest, Carlos Pagolean, a beautiful book, really cool, and it's great to see Christopher Priest back doing what he does best, writing great adventure stories, and a really interesting take on Slade Wilson. 42% off, it's $9.85. You can get the deluxe hardcover edition of Tokyo Ghost from Sean Murphy and Rick Remender. Uh, What a great book, and uh, so great that they had to put the brakes on it just for a while. I hope someday they will get back to it. Uh, but you can get the first 272 pages, issues 1 through 10. It's 42% off, and it's a beautiful collection. Just $23.19. Pretty neat stuff. John Hickman uh, did an amazing run on the Avengers, and the Omnibus uh, collection from Marvel is starting to come out. Volume 1 is 52% off. It's just $62.50. You can get the Captain America Epic Collection, Bucky Reborn. I saw this on the stand the other day. Uh, Stan Lee and Gene Colan, John Romita. This is literally what followed after um, Jim Steranko's run of Captain America. Gene Colan took took over the book. And here's a big chunk of it here. Uh, It is uh, 18 issues. Cap 120 through 128. Stan Lee and Gene Colan with John Romita Jr. as well. Uh, The whole volume is 50% off. And it's $19.89. Pardon me. $19.99. $19.99. Just waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Check it out today. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you receive free shipping from InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners, for your support. More Word Balloon coming up at the beginning of the week. Uh, it's going to be a good one. we got Tom King and a great discussion about Batman and uh, Mr. Miracle and the Sheriff of Babylon, all that neat stuff. And I was really excited about it. A nice, lengthy conversation with Tom King on the next Word Balloon. And then, as promised, I know I've been promising it, but really excited about my interview with Victor Santos. And I will be bringing you that as well next week. Until then, questions or comments about the show, reach me via email, john at wordballoon.com. Follow me on Facebook, John Suntress, and, of course, the Word Balloon Network, or on Twitter, at John Word Balloon. Thanks again for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.